it's like kind of the Batman of helicopters, I guess you'd say. Interesting. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop. I'm your host, Kyle Hill. And on today's episode, we have another special guest with us, Betty Wang of BW Financial Planning. It's a fee-only advisory firm based in the Denver, Colorado area. Like myself, she's a certified financial planner, a member of NAPFA, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, and a member of XY Planning Network. While she does work with all types of clients, she does tend to focus on working with independent professional women, or so I don't have to mark this explicit, I'll just say bad ace women, or as I like to kind of think about it as uh, maybe like a Megyn Kelly. Speaking of which, she just launched her own podcast called The Megyn Kelly Show, which is uh, really good. I've added it to uh, kind of my daily mix, so check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. As far as Betty, she's been featured in a number of different outlets, including Market Watch, Acorns, Dollar Sprout, and The Street, just to name a few. With her experience and depth of knowledge about the financial industry, I wanted to bring her on to help me talk about how to get your money invested. And just before we dive into our interview with Betty, I need to remind you that this is for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as advice because we are not your advisors. However, we could be if we did our proper due diligence and evaluated your personal situation. And the best way to get that process started is to schedule a call with either one of us, and you can do so by going to our websites located in the show notes. I know this went a little long, so I'll put the marker in the show notes so you can skip the fluff, even though it's not recommended, but I'll allow it. Lastly, we recorded this a couple days after Veterans Day, and I want to take a moment to say thank you to all our veterans and our active duty military for your service and sacrifice. I'll continue to say this but you are the reason we live in the greatest, most free country this world has ever seen, and there's no place that I'd rather be, and I hope we never forget that or lose sight of it. Never forget. Personally, I'd like to say thank you to veteran Scott Vance, who until recently was a part of our mastermind group, and uh, he, he showed me the ropes of podcasting. Also, to a family member, Caleb Peterson, who is active duty, in the United States Coast Guard. Thanks, Chief. All right. With that, here's my interview with Betty. Betty Wang, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, glad to have you on. So how are things out in Colorado? We just started um, at-home school. So it's been an adjustment this week to figure that all out. Uh, so I have kids at home. Everybody's on a computer trying to learn. Uh, it's crazy right now. Uh, we, you know, we thought we were going to get out of this, and who knew a year ago that we are getting close to a year that we'd still be dealing with this. So, um, 
Well, I almost had a disaster this morning, by the way. Uh, we were out of coffee filters. <laughs> did you use a paper towel? I did. I did. Yeah, I, I, I've read that that works. I, I not tried it. <laughs> I, I was freaking out because I have probably at least three. And these are big cups. All right. My buddy, that is a big cup. Paul, Paul and his wife, Whitney, for my birthday a year or two ago, got me this mug. And it's one of those campfire mugs. And I love it. It's a Casey Mill mug. I drink out of it every day. And if I see my wife drinking out of it in the morning, I give her I give her the stare. The stink eye. The side eye. Um, that's the only thing she's not allowed, but she does it still. But yeah, I drink <laughs> probably three, minimum three cups of coffee a day. And if I don't, I get a headache. And uh, I get kind of, I think I drink too much. I get a little twitchy. But I was freaking out because we didn't have any um, filters. So I improvised and used paper towels. <laughs> and it worked. It worked. Sounds like the Bear Gorillas guy. Yeah. You're figuring it out. So tough, Kyle. <laughs> so we're doing all right. It's crazy because they cost like a dollar for a pack of 250. But you're like, oh, I'm never going to get to the end of this. And then the day comes and you're like, oh, gosh, what do I do? So uh, Amazon, we better add that to the subscribe and save. So anyways, um yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast today, and uh, really excited to have you on. Thank Why don't you. you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, my name is Betty Wang, and I am a financial planner and investment advisor, like Kyle. We are put both part of this group, this amazing group called XY Planning Network, and we all had the same philosophy of affordable um, and forthright financial advice, objective financial advice. So it's it's been really great getting to know Kyle, it's getting to know you and knowing other people within the group. Just we, we're in this business for the, not to say the, not to say making a living is not a good reason, but I think we're also in this business to, to be of service to people. Yeah, do the right thing. To do the right thing, right. Just something you, you would want for anybody, for your sister, your mother, your brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we're, we're in a uh, weekly study group, mastermind group. Yes. Uh, in uh, last, last episode, David Tozzolino, um, he's in our study group as well. And we have, have another one, uh, Don, Don Martini. And uh, it's, it's a good group. So we really enjoy. And, uh, and Betty keeps us in line. Yeah, <laughs> I try. I try. So <laughs> it's uh, it's been wonderful uh, being in the group with you and uh, the wisdom um, that you bring. I, I appreciate it. So uh, thanks. My gray hair was hard earned. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you you have uh, two boys, right? I have two boys. One is 14 and the other is 11. And I don't know if it's because Thanksgiving's been coming up, but I've just been watching. We've been, my husband and I have been watching videos of when they were little, probably your kid's age and just listening to their voices and the things that they did. And it just breaks my heart right now. Cause it's so cute. It's so cute. And now I have two smelly, smelly boys <laughs> who are large and, taller than me 
so it's it's definitely it's been it's been fun but it's sort of crazy to see how fast time goes by yeah i i was just gonna ask you i've got two boys myself five and five and three i'm just gonna ask you if it gets any better well, I it's, I told my husband John. I said, you know, they. I remember it being so hard, and it was. Everyone kept saying, "Enjoy it while you can," and I always thought that was just a load of crock. And then <laughs> now I look back, and I'm like, "Oh my god, they're so cute and cuddly." And um, yeah, it's just it is. I, and I'm that now. I'm that old lady saying, "Just enjoy them. Enjoy them while you can." The temper tantrums are sort of cute. <laughs> oh, no, and they're not. They're yeah. not. But <laughs> mine are already stinky. So, um, but. yeah, it's a different sort of stink. Not to get too graphic, <laughs> but <laughs> I just I want to Febreze the whole room. Where <laughs> <laughs> so, so that Febreze that Febreze commercial is accurate. Then the mom that like comes in and Febrezes the the teenagers' clothes and everything, and he has, I think the the girls coming over or something like that. I don't know. Oh, I, I'm thinking of the one with the, like the scary gym shoe that turns into a cartoon that maybe it's an older commercial but, oh, okay. and then you Febreze it. Um, yeah. I haven't actually done it, but I, I do consider it. <laughs> so, um, and you have, you have a dog named Chewy. Yes. We are Star Wars fans in my household. So tonight, yeah, tonight's Friday. So it's Mandalorian night. Okay. Okay. So we, my, uh, we just started watching Star Wars, the originals, what I grew up with, the only yeah. ones I've seen. Uh, we started watching those this week or over the weekend last weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, my three-year-old going with Chewy here. Um, I figured that's, that's where it came from, but my three-year-old yes. is obsessed with Darth Vader Oh, and I'm probably going to get social services called on me because I'm letting my three-year-old watch Star Wars, but it's PG. It's PG. So, um, you know, but he's, he's hilarious that you're right. They are, they do have their moments of cuteness. Um, it's like Darth Vader. I can't believe he's not, he's a, I would have been scared. I was scared of Darth Vader till very old. <laughs> he's afraid of the big bad wolf. Yeah. But not, but not, uh, yeah. But not Darth Vader, six foot ten, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Darth Vader, he's excited about Darth Vader. He's kind of evil. Like yeah. I don't know. We kind of wonder about him sometimes because he thinks, you know, he's yeah. It's like the movie Big Daddy when the kid enjoys seeing Adam Sandler get hurt. <laughs> I think that's my son. Oh. Um, anyways. <laughs> He's, he's a tough cookie. Well, I'm so, so looking forward to meeting him. Yeah, yeah. He's, I'll wear my shin guards. Is he yeah, a kicker? <laughs> so, well, awesome. Um, I know uh, we need to get into our topic, but first, we've got to do the famous 15 minutes of fluff. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. I am not. <laughs> you just download, you don't listen. That's okay. That's all we want. Yes, yes. Um, so got five, five questions teed up for you here. And, uh, I promise these were written, um, well in advance. So let's, uh, if you're ready. Sure. We'll go for Is it, it a pop quiz type thing? Uh, <laughs> it's a lightning round, except I blew that up. It, it was not fast. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. 
take that for what it's worth. It went from lightning round to five minutes of fluff to 15 minutes of fluff. Um, you can probably guess why. <laughs> so what is the most socially unacceptable thing you own and love to wear? And if you would like me to start, I will tell you, I have my knockoff Birkenstock clogs that my wife detests, but I love to wear them, especially in the wintertime because you just slip them on and my toes are covered. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that I go looking for them and I can't find them because my wife has thrown them away. Not that she's ever done that with any of my stuff, but. Yeah, it sounds like we have very similar roles in our marriages because my husband, I, I get very um, attached to old things <laughs> that are, I, I find very cozy. Yeah. Um, mine is, and I wear it all the time still. It's, um, I went to University of Illinois, so it's a, it's a hoodie that has the ends are all, the ends of, are all ripped, the elbows have holes in it. And I know I could buy a new one. I just won't. <laughs> it's broken in. You know, I just, yeah. But when people in the neighborhood at, know who, who I am just because of that, it's funny. Because <laughs> I live in Colorado, so there's not a lot of Illinois sweatshirts. Yeah. Especially with, I, I'm sure people think I'm like the homeless lady. <laughs> no. Is that... Uh... University Illinois of Champaign or mm -hmm. Champaign oh, Urbana yeah. Urbana Champ it's actually Urbana Champaign but duly noted Champana mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of corn a lot of corn no okay okay what is your favorite childhood TV show now as an adult oh uh, that's a good one because I love a lot of TV you go first I don't know um, the Wonder Years. Oh yeah, yeah. Because of Winnie, it's not bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> I, I used to relate with Kevin, uh, yes. you know, playing football in the street. But now uh, we watched it a few years ago on Netflix, and I think we've watched it twice now um, since like it's been on Netflix and everything. And it's just nostalgic. And I used to relate with Kevin. Um, yeah. but now I really relate with Jack, the dad. Oh, <laughs> I bet you're going to say the brother. No, <laughs> well, no. What's his name in it? Wiener. Wayne. What? Yeah. Wayne. Yeah. I was like, Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched any old shows. I have such like fond memories of them. So it's, it's hard for me to think about it. I mean, a lot of facts of life and family ties and, um, I mean, I play, I used to plan my life around the TV schedules. If you asked me, you know, what days, Tuesdays at seven, and I think it was Tuesdays at seven was a team. And then after that was, oh, I don't remember Tuesdays anymore. Saturday was a good night too. Yeah. I watched a lot of TV. <laughs> That's what happens when your yeah. parents don't speak English and work a lot. <laughs> TV and video games for me. So. Yeah, video games I wasn't really good at. TV, you know, passive, something passive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are, are any of those on Netflix? Those that you mentioned, Facts of Life? They're on like Nick at Night though, aren't they? Or something like that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Golden Girls is having a resurgence. 
Okay. Um, and I loved 227 and um, All in the Family. I mean, my dad is like Archie Bunker, except oh, okay. <laughs> except an Asian old crusty man, <laughs> cranky man. <laughs> All in the family is probably way too, way too, you know, far, way too old for you of the younger generation. Hey, I, I tell you, I am an old spirit at heart. So, well, then you might like all in the family because he's a pretty grumpy old man, which I like <laughs> offensive, very, very offensive. A lot of those probably uh, nowadays aren't acceptable. Who knows? Whatever. Um, when did you, this is kind of in line with our topic for today. So okay. when did you open your first brokerage account? Um, I opened mine really young. <laughs> so again, I'm growing up with a very um, money conscious family since we didn't have any. Investing was something that my dad in particular was very into. So we watched... Um, we watched a lot of business shows and stock market shows and he opened one for us as soon as we started earning money. Um, and for me, that was pretty young. I think I got a job pretty young. I mean, I was babysitting for at starting at 11 and then, but I think I actually started getting a 1099 or whatever. Um, when I was like 14 or 15. So, <laughs> So I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think my first brokerage, and I started buying my own stocks probably my senior year. Just I've always I've always loved the markets. I think it's interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, do you remember uh, what broker that was with? Brokerage firm? Custodian? Way back when? Um, it was just when everything was starting to take off. I did. I was a, originally with Ameritrade. I remember that. And then I left when I started working for um, investment firms. Northern Trust didn't really limit what we could buy, but Dodge and Cox certainly was. Um, you know, there, you don't want any impropriety, and and so I, I really stopped trading stocks when mm -hmm. I joined the firm because you you know, you always had to get permission. It, which is the right way to do things. Yeah. <laughs> There's also trading. Um, you couldn't trade if they're actively trading, blah, blah, blah. It was restricted. So, so yeah, I, I sort of went away from, from stock trading for once I started working that for them. Yeah. I, I remember <laughs> that, that brings back memory. Um, when I, the firm I was at last, um, to do any trading, you would have to pre-clear it through our compliance. Right. And I had just started there and I had my small Roth IRA and, and I bought a few, uh, I bought what I talked about last week, my, or last episode, my, my shares of Tesla and, and, uh, Sprint. Wow. And I, uh, didn't pre-clear it. <laughs> and so, so what happens? Do they make you roll it back? No, no, no. I just got a little slap on the wrist um, from our uh, uh, compliance officer. Um, he said, we've never had anybody uh, get <laughs> slap on the wrist, but if you do it again, it's, I don't even remember what that, it was like a $25, $50 fine or something like that. And I'm like, oh crap. But, uh, that's, what you, that's what you want to be first on. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but uh, remind me what what you did, what did you do for Dodge and Cox, and how long were you there? Um, I was the. I mean, in Dodge and Cox terms, they considered me a short timer because once you are there, you pretty much stay for life. But I mean, I was there for almost nine years. Um, I was, I think, uh, I was employee number 100. So I worked with institutional clients, pension plans, 401k plans, foundations, endowments, um, anything, anything big. <laughs> and I worked with the funds. I was the administrator for a couple of the funds. And it was a smaller firm at the time. So you could, I got to do a lot of different things, which was great. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, um, they're wondering what Dodge and Cox is. If you look inside your 401k plan, probably a good chance that you'll see, you know, one or two of their funds in there. Um, it's mutual fund company, investment, I guess, what's the technical term? Uh, investment advisor. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're yeah. SEC. Re- yeah, they're an yeah. investment advisor, registered investment advisor. But I would consider they're an asset manager. And you get different with an asset manager, you get the same investment strategy, but sometimes it comes in different vehicles, if you will. Yeah. So for me, my first brokerage account was a Roth IRA with Waddell and Reed. And uh, it was back in, I'm pretty sure it was 2010 when I was working for the hockey team down in uh, Wichita, the minor league hockey team in Wichita. Remain nameless. Um, they didn't have a retirement plan, and uh, I was actually at a leads group. Um, and you know, leads groups—they like a group of professionals, one from like different different industry. And so, this Waddell and Reed advisor was the financial advisor. Of the group. And, um, she got a hold of me and. I realized I needed to start saving for retirement and I didn't have the option available through my employer and I didn't know what to do. And so she kind of, you know, took me under her wing and convinced me to open up a Roth IRA and uh, started with like 25 bucks a month, just making a Great. 25 a month. And um, I mean, it didn't grow to anything big and um, I didn't realize it was a brokerage account because when I, my last employer, when I was transitioning over there, they're like, do you have any brokerage accounts? I'm like, no. And they're like, once I got on uh, staff there, they're like, oh yeah, you forgot to tell us about this brokerage account you have. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to, I went to college. I just didn't, you know, I guess pay attention to the fine details. <laughs> no, I think that's like the general public, even you and I are both in the industry. A lot of these different types of accounts and different ways to use an account. Um, I didn't really pay much attention to but my first job, even though I love the investment piece of it, I couldn't tell you what was going on with my benefits plan. Um, and then at Dodge and Cox, they're awesome. Their benefits are great and they do the right thing for their people. So I, I really didn't question anything or look at anything. Um, and there we eat our own cooking. So it was, all Dodge and Cox funds anyways, right? So yeah. it wasn't like there was a lot of thinking there. It wasn't until I left and we were planning to for me to stay at home with our children that I really got into the weeds of some of these things. 
and it is it is complicated and i mean and we have the background to understand and um kind of decipher it a little bit but i don't think anybody should be discouraged by it it is sort of a it's a, it's a new language right that's yep. all and that's what this podcast is trying to help people with is simplify it and make it easier to understand it is confusing if you don't live in the world so it's confusing if you live in the world i I mean you and i talk about it all the time where we're looking at something there's so many different ways that we could approach this and i don't know how without people to bounce it off of i don't i I think it's hard to uh to to make good choices sometimes yeah amen um so here's a next question is What's your one question for me? How did you decide to get into the business? So I joined the study group late, so I don't. I missed everybody's, um, you know, creation or whatever their story from from how they found the path to to what you're doing now. It was a non traditional path, like most people will say, and I didn't I didn't find it. It found me. Um, so you opened that brokerage account and, and then you were like, this is for me. <laughs> I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Um, so growing up, I always loved sports. I hated school. I just wanted to play sports. And I think I've mentioned it before. Uh, maybe not, but um, I always wanted to be a professional athlete and uh, that didn't pan out. You know, I wanted to be quarterback for, the Kansas city chiefs or whatever, and uh, go to K state and be the starting quarterback. Um, you know, I think a lot of kids have that, that, that dream and uh, it doesn't work out for most of them. And it didn't work out for me. <laughs> and, I, and so I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but when I was in college, I took an internship with a minor league baseball team, Springfield Cardinals in Springfield, Missouri. They're the double a affiliate of, uh, the, of the St. Louis Cardinals. And um, I'd never in Manhattan, uh, where I grew up, you didn't have a whole lot of exposure to minor league baseball. And so when I went down there to interview, it was a relative, um, it's like a second or third cousin, but I called him my uncle cause he was yeah. an uncle and father figure to me, um, Jack. But, uh, he mentioned, um, coming down there and interviewing with him. And so I got an interview and I'd never been down there. I thought it was going to be like a glorified high school baseball field or something. And I was just blown away with the facilities that they have for minor league teams. And uh, this was like a replica of a major league baseball team or baseball stadium just scaled down. And while I was down there, I just fell in love with the intimacy of the minor league sports, you know, being close to the fans. And, um, you know, by the end of the season, you, you knew your season ticket holders and you could see them at the game and, um, so I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it and that got me into wanting to do minor league sports. And so I did that and it's kind of one of those things that you get into it because you love it, not because you want to make a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> I was told multiple times that you can make as much money as you want if you sell enough. And, uh, I'm just not a salesy person. And so, um, after two years of doing, um, the minor league thing in Wichita, uh, it was the time my wife and I, uh, we got engaged and the writing was kind of on the wall of this, this opportunity is kind of like a dead opportunity. So I, I packed up and moved up here to Kansas city without a job. 
and not the best idea. Um, but was living with my fiance at the time. And um, I've got a buddy who was working in as a personal banker back in Wichita. And he made it sound really, really good. Um, like he was doing some really good things for people. And I, I've always just had a heart for helping people, wanting to yeah. help people. And, and so that led me into a personal banking role with a regional bank here. And uh, it was more of a sales job than anything. Um, I think I thrived in in the um, helping the customer service aspect and um, developing relationships. Just this, the, but that's not what you get graded on. And so I was looking for a way out and um, found the uh, wealth management firm, and so did an internal transfer. And uh, like I said, you know, when I got in there, I didn't even know what a brokerage account, but brokerage account was, but, uh, spent six years there and, you know, developed. And while I was there, I really loved what I did. Um, and just being in that environment, but I also had this itch to work with people, my age, my peers, because I felt like these people that we're working with already have it figured out. They, you know, but what about my generation? You know, we talk about this, just this savings debacle um, that people aren't saving enough for retirement and social security. And um, I just wanted to do what I could to help my generation and future generations get on more solid financial ground where they're more financially independent. They're not, you know, praying and hoping social security's around when the time comes. And uh, so, yeah, uh, my wife and I, you know, we talked about this and we made the leap. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think both of us uh, approach the business or approach our career as a service business, not a sales yeah. business. And I, I think that's where we are very like-minded. So, and it is true that earlier you start, the more choices you have later. So I think that's, I think it's really good that, younger folks have somebody a contemporary to talk to yeah so mm, thanks for sharing i would ask you how you got in, into it um but, uh, I know we're kind of on a time schedule so i want to be uh, respectful of your time certainly last question that i ask everybody are you familiar with walk-up songs yes <laughs> okay um, what would your walk-up song be? Oh, I, I, li I like raps. <laughs> you what? I, I said I like rap a lot. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> that's why I'm excited to hear this one. Oh, I don't know. I, it's, 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 Let it loose. I, well, so when my boys played baseball, they would have... And that was very long ago when, you know, skills didn't matter. When it was... <laughs> it got pretty serious. And you'll see this, like kids' sports gets pretty serious around age eight, nine. I mean, there are other parents coming to check out other kids' practices. And I just, I, I honestly, it just blew my mind. I have no idea. I mean, maybe because I was never that athletic. Um, anyway, so the moms, we did a game and mine was a song called Batter Up and it was, uh, um, like a Nelly song, I think. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say Nelly. Yeah. yeah. 
or actually, I think I wanted the ludicrous song, but it was um, Don't Touch Me or I'm on Fire or something like that. <laughs> but it wouldn't pull up on the person's phone. So then would it be batter up or, or ludicrous? I don't know. I think I'd, it just depend on my mood. Okay, we can do shuffle. You know, your first yeah. at bat, you get batter up, and then later in the game, ludicrous. Yeah. So, okay. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't tee one up here for myself, um, but in our talk of uh, favorite childhood TV shows, um, kind of has me going back to. Uh, you remember Airwolf? No. It, it was pretty pretty horrible, but it was it was about uh, um, oh gosh, I, I don't even remember his name, but uh, it it was about this helicopter, and uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. Um, but they had th this awesome theme song. I'll have to uh, put it in the show notes. Uh, string string fellow, I don't know, but uh, yeah, the Airwolf theme song I think would be. Would be mine. <laughs> would, so. would you wear a cape? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, it's it's like kind of the Batman of helicopters, I guess you'd say. Interesting. Yeah, he's like in a fighter, in a uh, uh, fighter pilot outfit, but this helicopter is has like supersonic speeds and you know has all the gadgets and gizmos it's kind of like a james bondish sort of thing but um i think the storyline was pretty horrible but i always loved the the theme song it had this good tune to it i always bounce around when i start thinking about it yeah i sing the a-team theme song a lot <laughs> actually <laughs> and that's in your head all day long. yeah yeah so um yeah Sorry, I was yeah. trying to find the, the sign that um, it's in my iTunes, but I, I, I can't think of the right song. But I just saw that Ludacris is from Champaign, Illinois. I did not know. Oh, that. There you go. Yeah. There Maybe go. he was there when I was at school. <laughs> I always would have thought Atlanta because doesn't he sing like, maybe that's where he's at now. I don't know. I don't know. Now he's Atlanta. He's, he's um, Southern, Southern charm, Southern rap. Nelly? Nelly's St. Louis. Or is he Nelly? Yeah. I thought he was Atlanta. Uh, I don't know. Nelly's St. Louis. I don't okay. know if he is anymore. No. But... Yeah, I mean, you would know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, awesome. There's our uh, 15 minutes fluff. You can tell why it's the name has changed over time. But it, it still stands at 15. So, um, so for today, uh, I wanted to talk about our topic of walking through opening an investment account and getting your money invested. So in previous episodes, um, we've talked about, you know, why you invest with Rocky on, I think that was episode five last episode, David and I, we dove deeper into the investment side of things, talking about, you know, the different different investment options and what you have available, how they're different, but how do you actually get into those, you know? And I think that's, we talk about these investments, but how do you, what are, what are the, 
actual, how do you invest in that stuff? How do you get your money and turn it into investments? And so that's kind of what I wanted to touch on today with you. Um, I thought you'd be great for this with your background, um, you know, with Dodge and Cox and then just having your own firm like I do. Um, and I kind of boiled it down to three easy steps of, of getting your money invested. And it starts with opening a brokerage account, funding the account, and then clicking yeah. the buy button, right? Yeah. Easy as one, two, three. But there's kind of some steps to that. Uh, and are we caveating it with, you know, you have some money in your emergency fund or no? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't recommend investing until you take care of your now, right? Yeah. You got to have your emergency fund. I want people to be out of debt before they're starting to thinking about investing. Just me personally, you know, outside of maybe their mortgage. But I mean, if you got student loans hanging around, I'm going to say, take care of the student loans before we start, you know, throwing money into the market. Um, but, uh, but yeah, certainly if you're kind of my philosophy is kind of the Dave Ramsey saved seven baby steps. Um, and so we're kind of looking at you're on, you're on step four, you know, you're out of debt, have your emergency fund. We're ready to start investing. How do we invest? Um, you know, you've got your 401k option with your employer that you can do and they, you know, pretty much take care of that for you. But if you're wanting to do something outside of that or in addition to it, you know, we talked about an IRA, a Roth IRA, um, is, is additional retirement savings options. Um, you know, I, I, I recommend when you're looking at priority of saving, start with your 401k or 403b or your TSP, get the match. But then from there, I recommend you go over and fund, you know, either an IRA or a Roth IRA because you just have more flexibility and more options available. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm going with this. Of I'm to that point. I'm ready to start, you know, with a, an IRA or a Roth IRA. So how do we do that? And I, I think um, we'd kind of talked about a pre-show. First, you got to decide. Do you want to do it yourself? Do you want a robo advisor or do you want a, um, an advisor to manage it for you? Like, you know, what we do for, for our clients oftentimes. So um, I guess I'll, I'll kind of turn it over to you and kind of get your thoughts on that of, you know, the, the DIY, you know, what are some things that we need to think about? And then the robo advisor option versus the um, having an advisor handle the account for you. Well, I think, yeah, that that's an important thing to for people to think about when they're making that decision because it comes to what your time and your money and um, how much you want to in your interests, right? If you don't have a lot of interest in the markets or following it, it might be better to outsource it. If you don't have a lot of time, also again, it just it's an important piece of your overall financial security to to start saving, um, I think you have to think about yourself and how, how you want to approach it, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with do it yourself. It's just more, are you okay with thinking about these things or um, being aware of what's going on in the markets? Not necessarily every day, but, you know, just just have a healthy sense of, of you know, 
your finger on the pulse. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, do you want the, to have to do everything versus do you want somebody to take care of everything for you? Right. And so kind of some of the things that I, I was thinking about as far as doing it yourself, it's, and it's what we're going to talk about here mostly um, in this episode is kind of the do doing it yourself part. But uh, so you've got to go and set up an account. You got to find your brokerage firm, your your discount broker that you're going to go with. You've got to go set up the account. You've got to pick out pick out your asset allocation. Um, you know, we talked about stocks and bonds, and then the different market caps. How your your portfolio mix that you're going to put together to make your your portfolio. You've got to do that yourself. Um, then you've got to go buy and sell the investments, and then you're also going to be doing the rebalancing. Um, you know, when your portfolio gets out of whack or um, doing a timely uh, time scheduled rebalancing, um, those things are on your shoulder, you know, uh, when you do it yourself. You're essentially flying solo. Uh, maybe you get some support from your, your broker, uh, your brokerage firm. Um, but I think the big thing here is, you know, people can do this and the fees are minimal, if any fees, uh, with the way things are nowadays with, uh, um, equity trades and ETF trades at most, most, uh, brokerage firms now are, are zero. Um, definitely something to be aware of are the fees, but, uh, I mean, you can set up an account and then invest in the different funds for basically nothing right now. Um, it didn't always used to be that way, but, no, uh, that's true. I, I mean, it is a race to zero for, yeah. um, and that's great on on one side because then you are um your fees are lower so you have more money in the end but it's also it might and people who normally wouldn't normally studies show that if you're trading in and out too much that takes away from your your overall alpha with the money you the returns that you can have so um that's that's the only thing I would worry about with the zero trade is that yeah. people might over trade their accounts. Yeah, think of it as a, a toll road. Um, I guess before getting on the toll road or having transaction fees, it would cost you to get on the toll road or in the investments, and then to get off or to get out of the investments, it would cost you a fee. Um, those have kind of those have gone away, but. So it, it's made it more accessible to individuals to be able to get invested by cutting out those fees. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, one of the things we talk about with our clients is we don't want to be getting in and out of the market and buying and selling. We're not day traders. You know, we're, we're kind of the long-term buy and hold and make strategic changes to your portfolio, whether it's rebalancing or getting in or out of a different in it in or out of an investment. It's not, you know, we're trying to time the market, that sort of thing. So, um, and sometimes it's, yeah, well, I think it's helpful to have, I think a lot of the robo firms or even maybe there's so many tools out there on the web now that you can absolutely do it yourself. Um, mm -hmm. but there are, I think there's a benefit to bouncing off how you feel about risk what that really actually means to you with a person. Um, 
but but certainly the robos are very good at saying, okay, you know, this is your age. This is uh, this is your type. This is what you want, and this is how much you make. So, and you feel sort of okay about risk. Like this is portfolio you get. And I think that's hard when you don't really flesh out what risk means because it means so many different way things to people. That it does. That it does. Um, and I've had those those conversations with clients. It's you can take as much risk or as little risk as you want based on your situation because you're set. Um, but it's still they might have you know, the, the risk aversion and not be comfortable, you know, doing what ultimately their risk profile says they could do their risk, uh, yeah. um, not tolerance, their risk capacity. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I think we shared this in my last, um, in our study group a couple of weeks ago, but it was a, Great example is I, I always have clients take a risk tolerance questionnaire, much like you would take on um, if you were going to use a robo-advisor. And according to the score, it was high. It was said that this, she had a high risk capacity. But in conversations, in real-life conversations, it was the exact opposite. She did not want to be watching the markets. Anytime the markets, anytime she saw red, it scared her and um so i I just think they can be very wrong it's it's a start it's a great starting point to really think about how you do feel about it i encourage people to think about not if you lose like in percentage not losing five percent but like think about it in actual dollars like i'm losing five thousand dollars not five percent and how that how you feel about that because that really that is a, a big deal with trying to figure out your investments. I also read this really interesting article about how hard it is to watch your your neighbor get rich, even though you feel like you're smarter than them. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that happens. I was just talking about how people are trying are getting into investing because they feel like their neighbors, who they think they're smarter than, um, are like doing really well in the markets. <laughs> And that's super dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Comparing yourself to someone else. Um, going back to the wonder years, I remember the episode where uh, Kevin's parents were like joining the country club and uh, bought a new lawnmower and everything. And it's because uh, his dad made an investment and in, I think uh, like real estate or something. Uh, and, and so Kevin or not, not Kevin. Uh, uh, what's his buddy's name? The nerdy dude. Paul. Paul. Yes, Paul. Um, or is that Paul. his name in real life? I don't remember. Is that his name in real life, Paul? Or is that his name, his best friend? I think it was Paul, Kevin and Paul and Wayne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but Paul's parents made a, an investment that was doing really well. And so they started joining the country club and all those sorts of things. And Kevin was getting jealous. And then at the, I think it was the end of that episode, or maybe it was the next episode, I guess the investment went belly up. And so everybody and Paul's family was like grieving over, over that. And um, so, yeah, I guess the, the thing is keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses, don't worry about what other people are doing. Focus on you, focus on what you can control. And that's you. 
Um, well, I think that's, you know, speaks to your target um, audience and mine. It's lifestyle creep is a huge, it's, it's one of the biggest risks. Like I, I tell clients that it's probably bigger than market risk because you, yeah. you don't realize how much you start spending. Yeah. So then you, then you have the robo advisor services that you can do. And so it, uh, there's less you have to do with that. Right. So you set up the account and then I'm familiar with, uh, uh, betterment. Um, I know there's a bunch of other advice, uh, robo advisors out there. Um, and we'll put a link. You can invest a PD article that has a bunch of different robo advisors out there. If you're looking at something like that, but basically I, on theirs, it's like a sliding, a sliding scale of your allocation of bonds to stocks, stocks to bonds. And, and so that's you picking your allocation. Um, but they have the portfolio predetermined for you based on that allocation. And then, uh, maybe it's changed since I last looked, but, but then the robo advisor side of it does the buying and selling of the investments for you. So you put your money in and then they invest it. Um, and they do the rebalancing. Um, I think Betterment does like daily rebalancing, doesn't it? Um, I don't know, but even that, that seems too, too much. Yeah. Seems a little, a little crazy to me, yeah. but, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's really a yeah. sit it and forget it option and you just keep contributing your money. Um, and then you, I think you typically have access to their support. Um, but I don't think you're going to have a dedicated advisor that you're going to be working with or anything like that. So, um, and then the, the fees are typically, um, based on the assets under management, I think they normally have a minimum um, fee or minimum account balance to get started. But then what I've seen, they generally start at around uh, 25 basis points or 0.25%. So a quarter of a percent um, and up, uh, depending on the level of service that you're looking for. So um, again, you don't have someone there to you know, talk through things with you. But uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts on robo-advisors? Yeah, I mean, I, I had um, a potential client that I was looking through some of her investments and she was using Elvis, which I am a big supporter of Sally Krawcheck and she's somebody that I've followed throughout my career. Um, and from the investment standpoint, it looked, great like it was i think in, in my personal opinion maybe if too many funds maybe a little too complicated for what she needed but it was i thought the asset allocation was fine it was more that some of her other questions outside of investing or she didn't understand there was no explanation as to why she was in certain things and so i think that kind of depending on what type of person you are i think could determine whether or not a robo would be good for you. If certainly, if you want to know why, I'm sure they have like things you can click on within. But some things are easier with the conversation. So again, I think that's that's trying to determine what what kind of person you are. Do you do you need to know the nitty gritty and how that relates specifically to you? Um, maybe not even the nitty gritty, but just a general well, this is why we're doing this. Like, why do I have real estate? Oh, well, you know, we want you to be diversified. Um, 
And that wasn't very clear in her list of assets at Elvest, even though, I mean, again, I thought the asset allocation was fine, was good. Just that extra human, I think is a little, it would have benefited this potential client. Yeah, especially in, you know, a circumstance like now with COVID and, you know, back in March, we had, you know, in some asset asset classes, 20, 30% drawdown, um, where the market went down 20, 30% in those particular areas. Uh, and being, and since then we've seen a recovery, but there's some areas that haven't recovered um, fully. And so being able to ask those questions are like, what's going on with this investment over here? I see the rest of the portfolio is gone up and is basically fully recovered and, and then some, but why is this one um, lagging behind? And, you know, when you're doing it yourself or when you have a robo advisor, you have to go find those answers yourself and you don't have someone um, to bounce those ideas off of. And I'm not making a pitch for us, for advisors. I mean, yeah, I'd love, you know, if somebody's not comfortable doing it themselves and wants somebody to manage it for them, I'm happy to do that. Um, but it's really assessing what you're comfortable with. Do you have uh, the understanding to do it yourself and want to take that on yourself? Or do you not, you know, and it's not a problem if you don't, um, you know, one of, one of the things I do with, with my clients is I want to educate them. I, I want them to understand why we're investing in certain things. Um, and I, I try to do that, but, uh, but I, I'm by no means asking them to be an expert. No, I, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I try to educate to the point where I want them to have confidence in themselves you know, just and become more familiar with their own money. But I've, I think, especially with the pandemic, I think there's been, it's been really rewarding for me as a person to work with clients just because it is, it is so comforting to them. They've told me like how comforting it is to have someone they trust and someone who knows them and their life to tell them that it's okay <laughs> yeah. or that we've planned for this or they, they weren't, I, I actually, I didn't get any calls from any clients because we had talked about um, how markets, what to expect. Right. Um, and that these things will always happen. Markets will always go up. Markets will always go down. So it, that was really just kind of solidified for me. What we're doing is, is really beneficial to people. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know the when or the why the market's going to go down, but we know it's going to go down and we know based on history what the outcome is going to be. We're going to recover, the market's going to go back up, you know. Unless this is the end of days and, you know, asteroids are hitting the earth and um the US spends way too much money that they can't afford. Oh wait, we're already doing that. But uh it's beside the point, but, uh, uh, you know, the market's going to recover. And if you don't think it is, and you think it's doomsday, you know, maybe you're better off going well, in. That, yeah. That goes back to you. How are, how do you feel about, you know, how do you feel about losing money? And if yeah. you feel uncomfortable with it, then safer bets are better. And the way you're going to earn your retirement is by earning more and saving more right yeah. you either got to make it or earn it 
like, oh, you got to earn it, save it. Like it's spend less. Just it's just math. And when when I talk to my younger clients about this, I'm like, when the market goes down, it's really good thing for you because we're buying more at a cheaper price. We're buying at a cheaper price. So we're getting more shares of whatever we're buying because, you know, at the end of the day, we know that's going to go back up. Uh, I mean, we don't know for certain, but based on if we're going off of history, it's going to go back up. Right. Well, especially with your clients, right? Millennials, like they have a lot of time and in that time frame, Yeah. It's going up. <laughs> Maybe this, not a ton, but, yeah. <laughs> but more than now. Yeah. But th- this kind of gets into the, the other option is the advisor managed. Um, and so with this, it's kind of the concierge service, if you will. You go to an advisor, they set up your account for you. The advisor is going to make recommendations on an asset allocation based on their proper due diligence, um, meaning that they've assessed your situation properly. They've done a risk tolerance questionnaire and have really vetted this with you and talked with you about what you're comfortable with. And they're going to make a a recommendation on how we should invest your money. And then they're going to do the buying and selling of the investments for you. And they're going to do the rebalancing. Um, And in this next thing, it goes back to what we've been talking about is you have a human being that you can talk to about these things and those other two options it's you and if you who's there to keep you from pulling the trigger on getting out of the market because you're scared um you know maybe maybe some people don't have the wherewithal and and they're not scared they're excited about the market going down i used to I, i'm <laughs> i i'm a little bit like that yeah <laughs> Now that I'm getting older, it's not as much fun. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but when I was your age, yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and I was in a period where it just went straight up when I was investing, so I was always mad. Um, but uh, but yeah, you have someone that you can talk through these issues with, and uh, and and give you guidance as well, and and also you know with financial planners like us. So we're investment advisors, but we're, um, we hold ourselves out as more than just investments. It's financial planning. So that encompasses the investment aspect, but there's also the other sides of it of that affect your financial life, such as taxes, insurance, estate planning, cash flow planning, those sorts of things. So we help you with those financial issues as well, outside of just the investments. And so, well, they all work together. They're yeah. All, yeah, they're all intertwined. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and so with that, you're going to pay for it, right? There's fees, and they vary. Um, you know, typically on the investment side of things, you're going to one percent is kind of the general general rule of thumb for assets under management. And so I know with myself, I do a financial planning fee, a fixed financial planning fee. And then I uh, pair that with investment management if clients have assets that they want me to manage. And, um, and so, yeah, when I do that, it's, I charge my financial planning fee. And then I have for investment management, financial planning clients, it's 50 basis points or half a percent. Um, yeah. If it's just strictly investment management, it's 1%. So, um, and feel free to chime in what, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I my fees are yeah, 1%. It's on a scale, depending on how much um, assets under management, and I offer one-time plans. So, yeah. Nothing, nothing fancy, trying to keep everything as simple as possible. I, I do feel like a lot of our um, value to clients is that we simplify it. We simplify, say, this is what's important right now. Don't be worried. You know, I had a 28-year-old ask me about long-term care policies, and it was just, it was a little too early. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I, you know, I, I, it's just, I mean, I, I think it's, I thought it was really great that she was thinking about that. I just, you know, I think it's nice to, it was nice for her to say, okay, that's definitely something throughout your life we'll think about, but it's not your number one priority right now. Your number one priority is starting to put a little bit more money away for saving, right? Yeah. I'm glad you're thinking about that, but not yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. The quote gladiator, not yet. Not yet. Mm-hmm. I was asked uh, recently who would play me if my life was a movie, and I said Russell Crowe. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the gladiator, Russell Crowe. Yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know if I quite look like him, um, but. The Caesar cut. You got the Caesar <laughs> haircut like him. Right. And he did grow the beard later, didn't he? The the beard and yeah. the dark hair kind of short. Yeah. Um, that might be all that I have uh, compared to Russell Crowe. So, um, well, that's good. So uh, <laughs> I think that that kind of lays out for people of figuring out which options right for them. And it's fit. There's no one right nope. answer. It's what do you feel? It, what are you comfortable with and what's right for you? But kind of getting into our, you know, how do I get my money invested and open up an account um, in three easy steps that gets us into, you know, if you want to go the DIY route, um, the three easy steps to to uh, invest your money is we'll get into that. And the first step that I uh, pointed out was open a brokerage account. And so we talked about this previously with Rocky Ziegler, the third. Um, So. Brokerage account is simply a bank account for your investments is how I like to talk about it. So I think that's a nice way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and so it's, I guess the question kind of becomes, where do you go to get a brokerage account? I manage assets on TD Ameritrade on their institutional platform for advisors. They have a discount brokerage firm that retail investors can get. Um, I don't know if you want to dive into that or have me kind of go through the little list that I came up with or. I, I mean, I think that there are a lot of reputable companies out there that you can look at. You're looking at based off of fees is one of them. What kind of re- if you're going to be researching, you want to make sure they have a robust research feature for you. And I would go by reputation of the firm, right? Um, so there are a lot of large, well-known brokers that you can use, and they're all trying to get smaller asset size clients so that they can they'll stick around to stay when they start making the big money. So a lot of them were before you wouldn't have access to them. A lot of them have lowered their minimums or created new 
new brokerage formats for you to be able to to use. I mean, I'm thinking specifically of like a Merrill Edge, right? That that's more for a younger client that's not quite that doesn't quite reach the level of um, having their own their own broker or their own financial advisor there, I think. But that's my understanding of it. Okay. Yeah. I I haven't dove into those particular. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no shortage of places you can go. And I think that can get overwhelming. Yeah. I, uh, so like discount brokers, I think you'll hear a lot um, yeah. is kind of a term that's used out there. And so um, for that, so like I mentioned, we're on TD Ameritrade. They're considered a discount broker. Um there's Fidelity. I think everybody probably knows the name Fidelity, Charles Schwab. There's E-Trade. Um, those are places where you can go open up a self-directed brokerage account. Um, and you're going to want to make sure that you pick the right account. So if remember the brokerage account is the account, but then the, you know, the uh, type of account is the sh- the coat that you put on it, if you will. So if it's a Roth IRA, it's still a brokerage account. It just has the Roth IRA classification over it, which means it's shielded from the evil government. Oh, that's interesting right now. <laughs> I'm curious where you're going with this. <laughs> no, that's a good way to explain um, how it, because I, I, it gets so confusing where you can't commingle those. You you do have to be careful. You cannot commingle those two different types of um, coats or however you're saying. Just because the, the government wants their money, right? They they want that you're going to pay it now or you're going to pay it later. <laughs> yeah. So it's important. Well, uh, to your point, understanding what type of account you're setting um, up because they have certain um, restrictions around them. You can put, you know, pretty much as much money you want in a taxable account, but if you go and open up a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, you can only put six thousand dollars in it in twenty twenty, another thousand if you're fifty or older. But you can't, you know, put a hundred thousand dollars in that today, um, you know. And, and so, and if you did, there'd be some penalties that the IRS is gonna going to levy on you. And so uh, just being aware of that and understanding um, the that when you go. Um, but yeah, so there's the discount brokers. Then there's what I maybe coin as more of the institutional brokerage firms like a Morgan Stanley, a JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Merrill, Merrill Lynch. Used and to be- all, all those firms are starting to build um, platforms from our retail, yeah. whereas before they they really wanted you to come in through their wealth management group. Yep. So so again, it's what you're looking for. I, I saw one client used Marcus, which is Merrill Lynch's. Is it their robo? Is it their robo? No. Oh, yeah. I think, I think I it is. Name. I'm just trying um, to because she had a bank account with them. You okay. know, she had a high yield account with them. Um, so there's just a, yeah, there, there are, it, I don't know what a good resource, what do you think would be a good resource for your listeners for finding? I mean, I think Nerd Wallet you could probably look at and Investopedia. Yeah. Nerd Wallet, Investopedia. Um, yeah, you can Google brokerage accounts and a million things are going to pop up. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I think it's just being aware of, like you said, the fees and what their offerings are. Um, it used to be a little more clear cut than it is now, like you, yeah. were, you were talking about. Um, there's kind of been some um, bleed over into those, those uh, wanting to get into those different areas with like the retail investors where, you know, uh, a Morgan Stanley or um, a Goldman Sachs or a JP Morgan might've been more for the institutional having an advisor managing your, your portfolio. Um, they're, they're wanting to get some exposure to the retail side of things. And, um, and, and with, without the, you know, advisor aspect. And, and so you're seeing a lot of these firms developing robo advisors platforms for, for retail clients. And um, then you also have, you know, mutual fund companies. So, uh, like Vanguard, um, kind of the pioneer of the uh, um, passive indexing strategy uh, with mutual funds. And so you can go open an account over there and you're saying that they've gotten more into the brokerage service where you can get more offerings just outside of, you know, the mutual funds and ETFs that, that uh, Vanguard offers. Because typically how it used to work is with mutual fund companies, you could invest in their mutual funds. Um, or and the you, benefit there was then you didn't have a transaction fee yeah. if you used like a brokerage firm. So that that's something that for somebody who knew they wanted a certain fund um, or they stayed within one fund family, that that was a benefit of going directly to the mutual fund. Just yeah. you prevented um, having a brokerage account cost and transaction cost. Yeah. But I think what we're saying, it's sort of changing now. Yeah, it's changing. Yeah. It used to be, hey, we're going to give you the benefit if you come to us and use all of our funds. We're going to like do away with the fees, right? We're not going to charge you share class fees and we're not going to charge you trading fees, uh, but you're going to have only our funds available. Some of them are set up, used to be set up that way. And if you wanted to do outside, you know, um, mutual funds or uh, investments you could for some of them you might be able to do it but they're going to charge you a fee to do that whereas if you just stay within our fund family stay in the vanguard stay in the you know t-row price or um or uh, uh whatever else um they're gonna limit your fees because we're keeping all of your money in in-house so yeah um so yeah some uh some of the um, typical mutual fund companies, Vanguard, Dodge and Cox, who we used to be with, uh, T. Rowe Price, um, locally here, American Century Investments, and uh, Waddell and Reed. They're both uh, located here, headquartered here. So, um, but yeah, there's kind of been crossover to into to different areas there. So, but I, I think kind of my opinion if you're going to manage your own there's no reason not to go with just a discount broker um or maybe a mutual fund company but i mean it's you know yeah fidelity. i think i mean at this point right like i think at this point you have so many more options at a discount broker um and that barrier of having to pay 25 bucks to trade a to buy into a mutual fund is no longer there or to buy an etf but that's just me. <laughs> and set up.
And setup nowadays is usually pretty easy, especially with those discount brokers. They're yeah. to open an account in just a few minutes online. And so it's usually pretty simple. Um, some of the, the others might be a little more archaic in their approach from my experience, not to name any names, but, uh, um, so it might require actual wedding paper and, um, whatnot. To yeah. I just came across that, um, recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, if you want to set up your own account, it's, it's usually pretty easy. So, um, but it kind of, we touched on it before, understand the fees, you know, is there an account fee, um, you know, with those discount brokers, I think you can, most times you can set up an account for free or, um, they might charge like an annual fee on the account of like 30 bucks or 50 bucks or something like that. Just be, just look out for something like that. And then, then the trading fees, you know, what are they charging to buy? and or sell the investments that you're getting into. And so that's gonna vary. Um, nowadays, like we talked about, it's been a race to zero on the transaction fees, tolls that you pay to get in and out of those things. And um, a lot recently it used to be, you know, you'd pay anywhere from six, eight bucks at these right. brokerage firms to buy or sell stocks and or ETFs, so equities, and then mutual funds, uh, used to cost a little more, but, uh, there's been a race to zero on equity trades. And so most discount brokers now it's, there's no charge, um, to get into the equities and to, into stocks or ETFs. And, uh, and there's a lot of, they also have a lot of, um, NTF funds, non-transaction fee funds. Um, so when you're talking about mutual funds, looking for, for that rather than, you know, paying a $25 fee to get in and out of a mutual fund each time they have NTF uh, funds in the mutual fund categories that you can usually go on, on their uh, platform and sort out based on, you know, the fees and everything. And so that might be something to, to consider as well. So. I mean, I would also say for, if you're considering doing it yourself, some of the target based funds are, are great. I mean, I, again, it's, you have to think that it's made for a, a lot of lot of people it's not specific to your situation but it takes a lot of the guesswork out of things if you use a target fund yeah um, yeah Dave, david and i talked about that last week and yeah um yeah it it works it works to your point it's like a one-size-fits-all approach and i put this on linkedin the other day it's Target date funds are a one size fits all hat when you need a fitted hat. And uh, oh. I like fitted hats. And I, I didn't, I didn't plan that out by the way. I just put on my <laughs> hat. So, well, the um, video, we don't, this video doesn't show, does it? Yeah. It, it doesn't record the video. Oh, good. <laughs> I was like, maybe should have told me, but uh, yeah, no, that's true. Target date funds will give you, you know, what you need. Um, one of the things that we talked about is, one of the concerns with those that David mentioned is that they get too conservative too soon when the compounding really starts to take effect in the latter years um, because it's based on your age. And, but, you know, starting out, not a bad option if you want to do it yourself and don't want to have to pick the different investments. And um, 
build up your account and then eventually maybe you get to the point where you need an advisor before the fund starts transitioning to, you know, dialing it down with your equity exposure and, and making it more of a fixed income, which would make it more of a conservative portfolio. Um, so then the, the second step there is you have to fund the account. <laughs> Very important step. <laughs> you have to have money to trade. You have to have money to buy the investments. And so basically, once the account is open, you just need to put money in it. And really, they've it should be pretty simple nowadays. A lot of them you can do it online where you sync it up to your bank account and you tell it to zap, you know, a hundred dollars from your bank account and it will ACH over in a day or two, you know, a hundred dollars into your brokerage account. So, uh, yeah. Or you could get it sent directly from your paycheck. Yeah. Some, some, um, some employers offer that. So that would, then you don't even see it and you're saving. Yeah. That's, that's a good kind of hack to trick yourself into saving. It's not money that you have to spend. Yeah, make these things automatic. And so even if you don't set it up direct deposit with your your uh, with your employer, you can set up reoccurring deposits. And so each week, each every two weeks, once a month, it you know pulls out whatever amount out of your account and you don't have to actually do it yourself. Um, so just automating the process really. Uh, and again, kind of back to the point of the Roth IRA or your traditional IRA, depending on the account type, be aware of the funding contribution contribution limits. You know, you don't want to set up a reoccurring transfer of $500 each week to a Roth IRA because you'll, uh, max it out pretty quick. Um, you know, so. Yeah. Well, hopefully it depends on which platform you use, but I would, I think some of them have, you know, a hard stop. <laughs> yeah. they, they won't let you overfund it. Yeah. So just to prevent you from having to, or to prevent mistakes and then you having to pay tax or roll it back. And, uh, but I, but don't count on that. That's something you, you should track. Yeah. Yeah. Things you want to be aware of. Yep. So, um, so then the third step is just push the buy button. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's a little more complicated than that. But, yeah. We won't uh, go into the, the belaboring that goes into figuring out what to buy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you figure <laughs> out what you're going to buy. Um, yeah. And so usually they'll have a, a trade link on there that'll take you to the trading platform within your your broker on their online platform and so um usually they'll have two different platforms one for the stocks and etfs and then one for mutual funds because they trade a little differently like we we talked about in previous episodes with stocks and etfs you can buy them whenever the market's open you can buy them throughout the day and you know the price when you push the buy button basically with mutual funds they settle at the end of the day so you can put your order in at 10 o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the afternoon, you're still going to get the same price because you get the price that they, at the end of the day. So um, it's, you don't instantly know the price. And so they typically uh, have two different trading platforms for that because 
So, so with mutual funds, typically you're buying a dollar amount, whereas with stocks and ETFs, typically you're buying a number of shares. Yes. And so that, that's kind of why they have those two different platforms. And I'm sure it's beyond that, but yeah, how that's set up. So um, now it's getting to where you can buy fractional shares. And um, I haven't really dove into that. I, I'm not ready for that. Yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, but that, that's, Give me a nice yeah. round number. Yeah. <laughs> I like round numbers. That's the great thing about you can put in a dollar amount and just, you know, so I've got you know five thousand dollars to invest, five thousand dollars buy XYZ fund. Um, whereas you have to do the math on the number of shares and what it's trading at for the stocks and the ETFs. But um, so well, and just because you put in the trade doesn't mean it's instantaneous either. That's it has to go to the the group's trading desk. So just be aware. Just because you put it in at a certain price. Um, for your listeners that what it gets actually executed at, what it gets actually bought at in the marketplace might be different than what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. So give it a little cushion. Don't, don't get, definitely give your, if you have 5,000 to spend, you want to make sure that you don't go over that with the share amount you're trying to buy. Exactly. Exactly. So a little wiggle room in there. Yes. Um, But uh, so yeah, knowing if you're buying stocks, ETFs or mutual funds, then when you go to that particular screen, you're going to select in the drop down buy or if you're selling, but we're focusing on buying because we're we're buying for the first time here. So we're going to select buy and then you're going to know the ticker symbol. So um, crap, I don't have any offhand of of tickers, but you know, each (laughs) stock has I'm like Dodge and Cox. What do you, what do you want? D O D I X. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, stocks are going to have their ticker symbols. Um, TMUS is T-Mobile. T-Mobile. Oh. US. I know that because my go-to used to be Sprint because it was easy. It was just S. S. Yeah. So T-Mobile bought them out. Um, I was actually driving through downtown yesterday and our Sprint Center is no longer the Sprint Center. It's the T-Mobile Center, and they were putting up the new letters for the T-Mobile Center on the side of the on the side of the uh, arena. So that was interesting to watch. Um, but uh, but yeah, so know your ticker symbol. So T-Mobile, TMUS. Um, you throw it in there for what, what's a what's a Dodge and Cox fund symbol? Um, the DODGX. It's uh, the global fund. Okay. Okay. Oh, no, DODGX is um, the stock fund. Sorry. It's been a while. <laughs> so so you'll put that in there. Um, one thing I'll note is what this isn't all the time. It, when you're buying a mutual fund, you can tell it's a mutual fund most of the time because at the end it will have one X. Hmm. I don't know if that's like a written rule, but that's what I've noticed every time with mutual funds is it's usually what – five letters in the last yeah. one of the next. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to find that for next time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look into that. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. there's a reason. Yeah. yeah. But with uh, stocks and ETFs, you know, it can range anywhere from one 
like Sprint was one letter. Um, T-Mobile is four. T-Mobile US. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, you you won't necessarily see an X in there. There might be some companies that have an X, but that's generally how I've pinpointed. If I'm have any question, I look at the last letter, and it's five letters and an X. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a mutual fund. I mean, now nowadays I know, but that's just kind of an easy way to to figure it out. Quick hack. Um, so yeah, know your ticker symbol, throw it in there. And then, like I was saying, with mutual funds, you're typically looking at a dollar amount. Um, you can buy the number of units, whatever, but typically you're just investing a, a, a flat dollar amount of whatever. Um, it makes it very simple. You've got $5,000 to invest in this particular mutual fund. You can just throw five, five thousand, did I say five million or 5,000? You said 5,000. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you throw $5,000 in there. And if it's a, which cup of coffee are you on? Only one. <laughs> uh, one this hour. Oh, um, kidding. I, I might be on three. So, uh, and so you know, there's no if you are investing in a non-transaction fee mutual fund, there's no fees on it. Your five thousand dollars goes in, and you have five thousand dollars worth of that fund. I, I would say for funds, just. Um, for listeners, you should check to see if they have a minimum. Some of them have a thousand dollar minimum um, yep. for purchase. So you, that means that if you have five hundred dollars to invest, um, you can't invest in certain funds until you have a thousand. And then once you have that, then you can do different increments usually. But yep. until um, until you get to their initial minimum. Yeah, the, a lot of them will have, like you said, an initial minimum and then um, additional contributions will be usually a lower limit. So um, and it just it, it varies depending on the fund that you're looking at. So yep. um, but uh, and then also share class, um, you know, there's different share classes out there of mutual funds and um, that can get a little little confusing, dicey. And we'll talk about that in a, in a later episode. Um, it's like people are going to be afraid. <laughs> yeah. We're like, well, then there's this that you should think about too. Yeah, it's yeah. not. A, yeah, it, it's it's what it was. You're saying before, it's simple, but it's not simple. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> simple is one, two, three, but uh, well, not, I don't know. It's simple, but it's not easy. How about that? Right? Is yeah, that a good way to think of it. Simple, not easy. Yeah, so. Um, but then with uh, stocks, ETFs, you're typically putting a number in for shares. And so you've got to see ballpark it. What is it trading at? And then how many shares with what I'm wanting to buy? And so the challenge with that is a lot of times you can't max out the money that you're wanting to spend on a particular fund. Because like you said, you don't want to go over a lot of time. I mean, depending on, you know, what you, you want to under, which stinks because yeah. it's, you don't want to be in a position where you, they're going to call margin. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, they're, they're um, going to call you for the rest of the money. <laughs> yeah. If you only have $5,000 in your, your Roth IRA, or let's say 6,000, 6,000, you've maxed it out for the year. Um, and you, buy more than you have in there. You can't put additional money into your Roth IRA because you've maxed out the contribution limits. And so generally we try to 
stay under um, just to, to be on the conservative side. And so then you're left with a little bit of cash in most instances that is not invested. And so you got to figure out what to do with that. So, um, but then, uh, then you, you'll have order type and just for our tens and purposes, we'll say, you're just going to do a market order and that just directly routes it to the trading desk and buys it at whatever price it's at right now. Um, and then, uh, click on preview or review order and, uh, note, know that you have enough money in the account to make the purchase. And then, uh, and then you know, submit order, and there you go. Uh, not saying go out and do that. <laughs> but, uh, that's how you would do it if you wanted to do it. So, um, and they make it pretty easy. Yeah. I, I, it's pretty, and a lot of them have tutorials now. So, it's just I think trying and, and seeing how it goes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, what are you comfortable with? Right. I think I agree. the the question you have to ask yourself and do I want to do this on my own? Can I do this on my own? I would say you can. Uh, <laughs> should I do this on my own? <laughs> I've had clients have them be in that part where they're, they're like, ah, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> can oh, I, yeah. do I want to, should I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, should yes. you? Well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, do you want to? Yeah. That's totally up to you. So, yep. uh, but that kind of lays out if you were to, you know, go set up your own brokerage account, how that would work. Um, so just try to make it less intimidating, but you know, we probably weaved some stuff in there that makes it a little, a little more, maybe counterbalances our attempt of making it less intimidating to, well, this might be a little intimidating. So I don't know, but uh, I, I, you know, hope it's helpful. Um, I know it might sound a little confusing. Um, I get it. and. Uh, you know, any listeners that uh, have any questions, feel free to drop me a line and uh, happy to uh, follow up with you or maybe we'll discuss some Q&A's at a, a, at a later episode. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, just to kind of recap, first decide what you want to do. Do you want to do it yourself? Do you want a robo or do you want it to find an advisor like one of us um, that, uh, looking out for your best interest and is going to walk with you through that journey. And uh, then, you know, if you do decide to do it yourself, there's three easy steps, <laughs> open a brokerage account, fund it, and then push the buy button. <laughs> easy as one, two, three. <laughs> um, any, any closing remarks on that? <laughs> I only snarky ones. So <laughs> All right. I, I like, I like and, and snarky. So. Yeah, I just the it, once you buy, it's it's then you're you've got to be ready for the ups and downs and have set your expectations, right? Yeah. This is I, I try to tell clients that the market's not going to make you rich, but it will help you build wealth, right? Um, I mean, there are some people who try to time it and watch the markets, but we both, we all know, all of us in this world know very, very, very smart people who this is what they do as a living and they don't always get it right. So it's, 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 there's a art and a science to, to buying um, and investing. For yeah. Sure. It's, you can have a great exit strategy for a timing market, but what's your strategy to get back in? 
I think that's the big thing that often gets left out is I know when to get out, but when do I get back in? It's a magic question. Yeah. You and I would be like, <laughs> yeah. I would have like own my own island if I knew that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I, I guess to kind of our point of stay the course, you know, that's generally what we tell clients is I know times are rocky right now. Let's hold off, stay the course and we'll get through this. Um, and that has shown to be the best strategy. Yeah. Throughout life. Yeah. Throughout the history. So, but, um, also, you know, if you get started doing it yourself and realize, I don't know if I want to do this or if I can do this. Um, I don't know if I want to take the time to do this. Um, you can always go, you know, go a different route. It's not saying you have to, if you choose to do it yourself, it doesn't mean you have to do it yourself forever. You can change. You can change which direction you go and um, what you choose to do. So, and and vice versa. So. And you can do different things with, you can have an advisor deal with your retirement funds and have a brokerage account that you invest because you like it or you want to learn about it. Or I don't offer hourly rates, but Kyle, do you? Um, sometimes I don't. Yeah, um, but there are hourly advisors out there that if you want someone to sort of, you just want to ask a few questions, you can look, you can find them out there, good ones that help just through little things. And I guess I could do it, do a project base. <laughs> That would equate to that. I don't know. I, I got to look into that first, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I thought, I thought that was, this has been really good. Um, enjoyed having you on. Thanks for having me. You can drop an F bomb. I'm kind of just, yeah, I am well behaved today. <laughs> so, and I know I'll think of it. Yeah. I, I didn't expect to talk about ludicrous today. <laughs> I, I was expecting something like that. I, I know you like rap, and so I was interested to hear what you were going to say. So yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm unexpected. Well, hey, thank you for coming on. And yeah, thanks. We have to do this another time. Um, but uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Website, LinkedIn. TikTok. Are you on TikTok? Oh, my gosh. I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how to text. Or yeah. <laughs> it's, the, the Snapchat is what I call it. I don't even get that. Um, you can find me at my website at bwfinancialplanning.com. And then, yeah, LinkedIn I'm not great with. So that's probably if you want to chat or you can send me an email through there. That's probably the best way. Sounds good. We'll, we'll put those uh, in the show notes. They can also find you on XY Planning Networks, find an advisor portal. I'm on there as well. NAPFA, mm -hmm. National Association for Personal Financial Advisors. I know, that one's a long one. Yeah, I've, I've got to slow down when I'm talking about that one. Pump the brakes on the coffee. Um, but those are both uh, networks for fee-only advisors that yep. we're part of. Um, and then you're on fee-only network, I think both of us are. Um, yeah, cfp.net. CFP, yeah, I'll put that one on there as well. So, um, all right, well, awesome. All right, well, thank you. I hope you have a good weekend. You too, thanks for having me. You. Take care, all right, bye.
Thanks for listening to Personal Finance from the Hilltop. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like more information about me or Hilltop Financial Planning, you can visit hilltopfp.com, no dash. For links and resources mentioned in the podcast, be sure to check out the show notes. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you get all the new episodes when they drop. Any five-star reviews are highly encouraged and greatly appreciated. You can find Personal Finance from the Hilltop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Hilltop website, and now Amazon Music. At Hilltop, we continue to bring on new clients, so if you or someone you know are interested in discussing how we can help you find financial freedom, go to our website and click on the schedule a call in the upper right-hand corner. We offer a free 30-minute introductory call. No sales pitch, just a conversation about you, what you're looking for, and how I can help. And now, lastly, for the dreadful, scary disclaimer. Yep, that's it. That my attorneys not on retainer want me to mention. Everything on this podcast is of my opinion or my guest's opinion and is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as a fiduciary. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Hilltop Financial Planning, LLC, is a state-registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri, but serves clients nationwide where exempt from registration. Another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop in the books. Signing off from the Hilltop, I'm Kyle Hill.